and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. Lord, we start 2023 praising you. Lord, you alone are worthy of praise. You alone are worthy of honour. Lord, we bless your name. Father, we thank you for the year that's been and we thank you for the year that's ahead. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to open up your word this morning. I pray, Lord, that your word this morning would penetrate hearts. And Lord, that your word would produce the kind of fruit that would bring honour and glory to your name. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen. You may be seated, church. The first half of 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3 says this. This is the will of God, your sanctification. Sanctification is a Bible word that means to be set apart from sin and set apart to God. Romans 6 puts it this way that we were once slaves to sin. But when we obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which we were delivered, we were freed from the power of sin and became slaves to righteousness. So your very being as a Christian is sanctified. You're set apart. But how many of you know sanctification is also ongoing? There are mindsets, there are behaviours that need to come into alignment with the Word of God. And the means by which God uses to affect our sanctification is His Word. Sanctification is a work of the Spirit and, and the means that God uses to affect it is His Word. Jesus prayed this prayer in John 17, verse 17, concerning those who belong to Him. He says, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. The Greek meaning for sanctification as it pertains to an ongoing process simply means this. The process of advancing in holiness used of the believer being progressively transformed by the Lord into his likeness. Romans 8.29 puts it this way, For God knew His people in advance, and He chose them to become like His Son, so that His Son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. As a Christian, your predetermined purpose and destiny is to become more like Christ. Romans 8.29 confirms that. There is a pattern in Scripture that helps to set the wheels in motion when it comes to our sanctification. There is a pattern you'll notice the way the apostles write, in the, especially the New Testament letters. And the pattern is this. Position, perspective, practice. If you read the first 11 chapters of Romans, you'll notice that the Apostle Paul focuses primarily on doctrine, belief, position and the gospel before he mentions anything about the imperative commands of practice as it pertains to our faith 
And our position will determine our perspective, how we see ourselves. And we're going to look at a scripture this morning that actually uh, 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 typifies that pattern. Position, perspective, practice. And it's found in Colossians 3 verses 1 to 4. It says this. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. We died with Christ. Why is this so important to understand that as a believer, you've died with Christ? It's important because God is holy and sin has to be punished. The wages of sin is death, so there had to be a death. I was sharing the gospel with a dear client of mine the other day and she asked me this question. She says, Con, if I'm a good person, I do good things, be kind to people and I get to the end of my life, will I still end up in hell? And I had to share with her in a very loving, gentle way the truth. I had to share with her the bad news because if I didn't, it would significantly diminish her appreciation for the good news. So I very gently shared with her, yes. And it's not my opinion. It's what the Bible unequivocally teaches. It explicitly teaches that no matter how good you are, we all fall short of God's glory. And God sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sin. It says this in 1 John uh, 4 verse 10. It says, In this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. The Greek word for propitiation means this. It's the offering that appeased the wrath of the offended party. Every single one of us in our fallenness have offended God. But Jesus became the offering that appeased that wrath. And so when you put your faith in Christ, He includes you in that death. Your judgment has passed. That's good news, right? That is good. That is the gospel. Moreover, we've been raised with Christ. The Greek word to be raised means co-resurrected. Co-resurrected. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. The way that word is written, hidden, is in the perfect passive tense, which means it was a one-time act that doesn't need to be repeated. And it has ongoing everlasting effects. And because it's in the passive voice, you had nothing to do with it. God put you there. And He put you there eternally when you put your faith and trust in Him. It says this, 1 Corinthians 1, Verses 30 to 31. But by His doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. 
And we know that that, that, eternal, that position is eternal because the next verse in Colossians 3 verse 4 says this, When Christ who is our life is revealed, then you also will, will be revealed with Him in glory. So that's our position as a believer. It's an eternal position. And, and the Apostle encourages us and commands us to have an eternal perspective. And he says to set our minds on things above. To set your mind simply means this. It simply means it's an inner perspective that shows itself in outward corresponding behaviour. And he, and, he, and he goes on in verse 5 to show us what that corresponding behaviour is. Verse 5 says this. Therefore put to death your members which are on earth. To put to death your members which are on earth simply means put to death the sin that is associated with your fallen body, your unredeemed flesh, put it to death. And then he gives us a list of things to put to death. And even though that list is not exhausting, it's still significant. And he gives us a list. He says, put to death your members which are on the earth. Fornication. Fornication in the Greek means all forms of promiscuity. Mortify it. Put it to death. Starve it. Don't give energy to it. That's what it means. Put it to death. And he shows us where it comes from. It comes from uncleanness, passion. These are issues of the heart, evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry. The Greek word for covetousness is pleonexia. Can you all say pleonexia? Pleonexia. Pleonexia is pleo, more, nexia in excess. Wanting more temporal things in excess. It draws you away from the genuine worship of God. It leads to idolatry. He says, put these things to death. He goes on in verse 6 to say, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. In other words, he's saying, that's who you were before you were a Christian. These are the things you used to indulge in before you were a Christian. And the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, those who don't belong to Him, those who reject the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Colossians 3 verse 8, he goes on to say, But now you yourselves are to put off all these. Put, putting off is the, is, gives the idea of uh, taking off a garment, taking off a filthy garment. Okay, And so uh, uh, it's like this. I teach a spin class every Friday, and I love it. For those of you who, who do spin uh, or have been in a spin class, you know how much you sweat, right? Right? Let's just say, I, like two days ago, I said, you know what, I'm gonna stay in my lycras. I love it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay sweaty. I'm gonna go home, I'm not gonna have a shower, go to bed, I'm gonna wake up, I'm gonna stay in my lycras all day Saturday. I'm gonna spend New Year's Eve in my lycras. I'm gonna to go to bed, I'm gonna wake up the next morning in my lycras, I'm gonna to come to church, I'm gonna preach in my lycras. How many of you know I wouldn't make it to church? Stacy would not let me out of the house, she probably wouldn't let me in the house. It's not fitting, right? That's what this verse is saying. Put off. Why? It's not in conjunction with your new nature. And he shows us what to put off anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man 
who is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor, th- nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved. I love this. Notice the pattern. Before he instructs them what to put off, he shows them who they are. Before he shows them what's inappropriate for their new nature, he shows them who they are. Now he's going to show them what to put on. What does he do? He shows them who they are. Elect. Holy. Which means set apart, sanctified and loved. You are loved. You need to know you're loved. And he's going to show us what to put on. Tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. That word to forgive is a reflexive noun, which basically means to forgive yourselves. That shows the importance of living in a Christian community. The Bible doesn't know a loose Christian. The Bible doesn't know that. The Bible encourages planted Christians, forgiving one another as Christ forgave you. But above all things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Love is the glue that holds these things together. Without love, we have legalism. Let's look at some of these um, definitions in the Greek. You want some more Greek, folks? All right. You're hearing from the Greeks? I'm going to give you Greek. All right. Put on tender mercies. Okay, so tender mercies means a gut-level compassion, visceral feelings, the capacity to feel deep emotions. Kindness. The spirit produced goodness which meets the need and avoids human harshness. Humility is an inside-out virtue produced by comparing ourselves to the Lord rather than to others. Isn't that interesting? This behaviour, this brings behaviour into alignment with this inner revelation to keep one from being self-exalting, self-determining, self-inflated. Meekness. The necessary balance of exercising power and avoiding harshness. Long-suffering. I want you all to repeat this word. Makro. Mithia. Macromithia. Macromithia. Macro means long. Long. Is used of God Himself. Indeed, only the Lord produces macromithia, true patience, long suffering in us, and hence is a fruit of the Spirit. Macromithia embraces steadfastness and staying power. If in English we had an adjective, long tempered, as a counterpart to short tempered, then macromithia could be called the quality of being long tempered. These are the things that are consistent with our new character and nature that we are commanded to put on. How do we do it? Great question, isn't it? How do we do it? As I said earlier, sanctification is a work of the Spirit. God can only affect transformation in the heart of a believer. Philippians puts it this way. 
it says it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good pleasure. But the means by which he affects sanctification is the word of God. They go together. I'm going to show you the contrast between two passages right now in Colossians 3 and Ephesians 5. And they are nearly identical. Let's have a look at Colossians 3.16 first. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. What's the, what's the result of that? The result is when you let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The word dwell is to make your home, to make the word of God your home. Cherish it, meditate upon it, reflect on it, spend time in it. Let it spend time in you. Let it dwell in you richly. What's the effect of that? Well, it, the, the scripture tells us. Ephesians 5, 18 to 21. Have a look at this. And do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Can you see it? To be filled with the Spirit is interchangeable with letting the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Why? Because it has the same effects. And in fact, if you read the rest of Colossians, the instruction goes this way. He speaks to uh, husbands and wives. He gives instructions to parents and children. He gives instructions to slaves and masters. The same pattern is followed in Ephesians 5. One commentator put it this way. The word in the heart and mind is the handle which the Spirit uses to turn the will. Let me say it again. The word in the heart and mind is the handle by which the Spirit turns the will. It is clear that these two concepts are identical because these passages that follow are so familiar. Ephesians 6.17 calls the sword of the Spirit the Word of God. I want to take it up. We have keys. That'd be great. We're going to pray. Are you all okay this morning? Yes. I'm on fire. <laughs> Me too. <clears throat> Proverbs 4, verse 20 and 21. My son and daughter, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. The Word of God is critical to us becoming more like Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for Your Word. Lord, Your Word is so precious, so valuable. Lord, it's sweeter than honey. Lord, Your Word is very pure. Therefore, your servant loves it. We are so grateful for it. We thank you, Spirit of Truth, that you are indeed the Spirit of Truth and you bear witness to the truth. Father, I pray that the heart of every believer this morning would be greatly encouraged and enriched by your Word. 
And Lord, that in 2023, we would be further transformed into your likeness, into your image. Thank you for your love. We thank you, Lord, for what you say about those who belong to you. Thank you that you've chosen us. You've made us holy and we are deeply loved by you. Father, right now I pray that each believer will experience your love afresh. With every head bowed and every eyes closed all across this place, if you are here this morning and you have never said yes to Jesus, maybe you grew up with religion, I'm not talking about that, but you are aware that there's something missing and maybe for you, the thought of eternal judgment scares you. Maybe the thought of eternal torment scares you. There's a good possibility, if that's the case, that you need to turn from darkness, forsake your life of sin and turn and receive Jesus Christ and all that He accomplished for you in paying the price for that sin. He did it for you. In a moment, we're all gonna pray a prayer and it's simply a prayer that helps us connect with God, helps us turn from darkness and turn and receive the Saviour. We're all gonna pray together by way of support. Why don't we repeat these words after me? Dear Lord Jesus, I turn away from sin and I turn to You. I receive You as my Lord and Saviour. I believe You are the Son of God. You came to earth. You died for me. And on the third day You rose and You live forevermore. Come and live in me forever. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. If that's you this morning, while every head bowed and every eyes closed, I'd love to pray for you. In fact, I'd love to meet you after the service and have a, have a chat with you. That would be amazing. But just so I know who I'm praying for, in a moment's time, I'm going to get you to give me a wave. And if you made that decision this morning to come to Christ, I want to see your hand on a count of three. If that was you and you've responded in faith, I'm not going to get you down the front. I'm not going to embarrass you. It'd just be me and a couple of our trusted leaders uh, looking, no one else looking around. I want to give you that opportunity to respond so we can pray for you and celebrate your decision. On the count of three, one, two, three. If that was you, give me a wave. Awesome. Thanks, buddy. I'll see your hand. Great decision. Anybody else? Thank you, Father. Father, thank you for this precious man that has responded this morning to the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Father, I pray that Your Word would go deep into his heart and produce a harvest 30, 60, 100 times what is sown. I thank You, Lord, that the oldest past in You has come. Father, I thank You for every person watching online. I pray, Lord, that for those who have responded online, I pray that You would encourage them Father, that 
they would know at the beginning of 2023 that you make all things new. In Jesus' Name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.